0: Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.
1: All right. Also wanted to mention that um, the kids are having a worship night in the Generations Building simultaneously as we're having tonight. So um, here's what we like you to do. Come out tonight, bring your lunch here, and bring somebody with you. Invite somebody. Um, They don't have to go to church here. Just have them come and worship with us. Good weather, good night. And um, last, time we, last time we did this, it was awesome. It was hot, but it was awesome. So it's better weather right. this time. So we are actually in the second week. We will wrap this up next week. We just felt like we needed to do a series, um, and it's entitled, What in the World is Going On? What in the world? What in the world? Appreciate the excitement. I tell you're on the edge of your seat. Does <laughs> Have it's you like ever, ever wondered that lately, what in the world is going on? Absolutely. And so last weekend, I let you ask me uh, three quick questions. Yes. And I said I would answer them each week. I call them the big three.
0: The big three. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you three more this week. Three Are more you this ready week. Yep. for the big three? Are you all ready for the big three?
1: All right. Let me, let me say this. The one thing that, we, um, that we've been really um, strategic to do is not just come up here with a bunch of our opinions, but to let you know that it's not about opinions right now, it's about good and evil, it's black and white right now, it's, yeah, it's um, righteousness mm-hmm. versus unrighteousness. That's so, right. All right, yeah. I'm ready for right, three ready? big questions. Yep.
0: All right, here's the first one. Um, you have said recently that the church needs to stand up and speak out against things that are happening in the world right now, yep. right? So in that, what specific things do you mean that we need to stand up and speak out against?
1: Well, I think one of the things that the church does need to do right now more than ever is to stand up and speak up for righteousness, for what is right. Um, I'm a firm believer that the church holds the truth right now in a world that is missing truth. And if you were here last fall, I did a Wednesday night on how to know how to vote. Y'all remember that night? And I said, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I will tell you how a believer should vote, and that will make it really easy Who to vote for. Right. Right. So. So good. It was good. Some of the things that we did say was that we we have a responsibility to not vote um, according to party or race or popularity, we're to vote uh, according to righteousness. And so there are some things we need to speak up against and stand up for. So just for example, some things like uh, the sanctity of life. Someone needs to speak up for the unborn. Um, The sanctity of worship which means that we need to uh, speak up for our freedom, to have our voice, to hold our worship services. Um, We need to speak up for the sanctity of Israel. Mm -hmm. We need to um, speak up for the sanctity of the word of God, which is being challenged. Um, The sanctity of marriage, which is one husband, one man, and, and one wife. Those are truths that we need to speak up for because the world that we're in and the world system um, has different values that they're really loud about. So we need to speak up and, and be full of truth and, and respond and let the world know what truth is because the truth has a tendency to set you what? Free. Free. So that's what I meant by we need to speak up for things.
0: Amen. Have that opportunity. We let need let to me speak say up. this
1: real quick too. You know, Jesus, when he uh, penned the phrase church, it's a Greek word, ekklesia, and he, he took that from... Uh, Roman government mm-hmm. and really what it means is a group of people called out to govern good. and deal with That's issues yeah. And so when he called us the, the the ecclesia, he was calling us It was a, a militant government word and he was calling us those who uh, will know how to um, Prescribe truth the situation. So we 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 are those That's who really hold good. the truth. Yep.
0: Really good. To yep. Prescribe truth. That's excellent. Yep. Well, thank I like that. you Excellent. Are you ready for number two? I'm ready. That was good. Those were great answers. Right. Weren't those great answers? Number two, what is your opinion? About masks, vaccination, and church businesses closures mandate. Let me read that again. What is your opinion about masks, vaccinations, church, and business closures mandates?
1: Yeah, I wonder why we'd take time to talk about this on a Sunday morning. Well, because it's, we're it's, it's what we're dealing with. Um, so you know, uh, um, when all of the pandemic began, yeah, uh, we 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 did what we felt we should for a season, and that was we went online. There's a couple of reasons for that. We felt like we were helping the community with right. the onset of, of the pandemic. Uh, we, we were uh, also, you know, live streaming is one of our strengths, so it, it allowed us just to continue to do something that we were yeah. already pretty strong at. And so that, that's where it, it started. Um, and to be honest with you, it was a season that was different for us because we moved and it helped us transition and move. It did. So our situation was really different. But then we, we opened our services back up. Yes. People um, started re- returning to services. And I'll be honest with you. We, we had weeks where we heard from some people who said, I will not come if you make us wear masks. On the other side, we won't come if you don't wear masks. And it was back and forth. And, back. and I, we, we did this every time because the governor, the governor would come out with a pronouncement. We would call the governor's office to say, how do we as a church interpret what you're saying? We did that several times. several times. And so we, we took this stand that um, it, it's, we posted on the door. This is, you know, what is uh, re- requested. And you need to make that decision. Yes. You need to make that decision if you're going to wear a mask or not. Um, the thing we did ask that if you approach someone... And obviously, they, they are a little hesitant. They're wearing a mask. Love says you approach them in the right way. Right. And so it wasn't a wishy-washy decision. It was just, it's a no-win, it's a no-win decision. It really is. Um, and I think everyone knows those, those masks, if it helps you, by all means, wear, wear a mask. Uh, most of the masks that, that do aren't used really don't prevent the things we think they prevent. But if, if that makes you feel comfortable, then, right. then that's your decision so that to wear that way. mask. But obviously way. don't don't intrude on someone else. That's what, that's how we would say that as far as vaccinations go. Um, you know, one, one of the things, one of, one of the reasons, uh, well, let me say it this way. Um, what, one of the issues that we're dealing with is a situation right now where um, those leading our country are overreaching their step on our constitution. And if, you want to get vaccinated? That is your call. I told our staff. I said that's your personal decision to be vaccinated or not. Unfortunately, they're not. Um, they're not observing the fact that if you have antibodies in your system, you, you're as. In, in in most cases, you're probably as vaccinated. The vaccination is your choice. Um, it should not be mandated. That's an infringement on on your freedoms. That's. Um, as far as closing down churches and buildings, uh, I think I explained why we while right. we um, held online services for a uh, period of time. Um, there was a problem though when it goes from, which we saw happen, it transitioned from a pandemic and trying to help with a health crisis, when it overrode that into a control situation. I don't think we would ever close down again um, unless God told us to. And so those things should not be mandated. That's, that's where we'd stand good answers. on those things. Those
0: are good answers. Uh, The third question, where do you think the coronavirus
1: originated? I think I said last week that um, on one end, we have a bunch of conspiracy theories, and on the other end, we have a bunch of deception with our government, and uh, both of those breed the spirit of fear, and what's staring us in the face in the middle is the absolute truth. Um, I think it's obvious that... uh, I can never say this word right. Wuhan. What's that place called? Wuhan. Wuhan. Woo-hoo, Wuhan. Obviously, it, it originated there out of some experiments that they probably should never have been doing. It crossed out of the animal kingdom, affecting humans. And um, and once again, I, guys, I, I I hate to even say this, and this isn't political. This is just I'm just trying to be truthful with you. I think the biggest challenge every one of us have right now, with whether it's vaccines, masks. Um, A pandemic uh, or these other things is and I hate to say this but we are in a season with those leading us you just cannot believe that they're telling us the truth if we knew that they were being absolutely truthful with us uh, because we're not against vaccines and we're not against but we we cannot uh, as a pastor of the church cannot be comfortable that everything that is being said is truthful that's why we need to stand up and speak for truth Um, uh, we've got a mess on borders we've got a mess in our country uh, but I will tell you this, that there's one person who can flex and straighten all this out, and we're so standing on, on, the, on the muscle of God. Um,
0: I, I agree with you. I think the fact but, that but our But
1: the, the muscle of God is expressed through the muscle of our voices. And the, Every time that we stand, God will stand with us, and he'll stand behind us. And I, I, I've said this over and over, um, two things. One is do not let yourself get into fear, because fear is a spirit. Right. He didn't give you that spirit. That's right. The voices in the world today um, you know, are, are, are um, invading our space with fear. And you have to have wisdom to, um, to navigate through all this stuff. Um, but it's so good to know that God's on our side because the world has lost its flipping mind. Uh, just Y'all comment. know it's true. That, that's not to be mean. It's just that's the world system. Is, yeah. It's 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 full. It's fallen. Um, thank God we have God. Thank God yes, that the Word of God. 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 Um, yes, thank God that we can have to. faith. Yeah, that's um, what
0: you hold on to, and thanks. like. And and if someone is experiencing fear, you, you never want someone to feel condemned in any way. No, absolutely that because that is real for that is very, very real. It's a spirit, it's very real. It it affects all of us at some point in our lives. That is a real thing. You can't have someone think that you negate fear. Fear is there, it's a spirit. But like Pastor Aaron said, we come against it with the opposite spirit. And that is God's faithful, true love and it casts out every fear that's what his word says and as long as i have known my father he's been faithful in his word he's been truthful in his word he's never lied to me he's always provided for me always supplied things that i needed so i'm not going to think that he's not telling me the truth now in the midst of something that might seem overbearing and overwhelming to all of us god is faithful in his word and he loves us so much and so that fear is might be real for you don't feel condemned Don't let someone make you feel condemned. But what I would encourage you to do, just like last week, is to lean into the perfect love of Jesus. And don't just think about, okay, yeah, God loves me. Meditate on it. Begin to convince yourself like David did. He preached himself happy. He convinced himself, and that was before salvation. You have an even greater relationship with God. You are personally ingrained in him. So that love is in you. And you need to tap into that because the perfect love of God casts out all fear.
1: Yeah, uh, it says this in the book of John. It says, the message Bible said, it's icky dark out there. And it's going to get ickier and ickier. Amen. And it goes on to say, but the darkness has never put out the light. Never. And that's what we need to rest on. I want to read you a scripture. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3.
0: Thank you for answering
1: that. Thank you very
0: much. We appreciate your answers, appreciate your truth, so...
1: 2 Timothy chapter 3, listen to these words. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and they will become obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride, and they will mock everything that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful. They will be ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Uh, They will become slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and what is right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like this, for they are the ones who worm the way into the hearts of vulnerable women. They spend the night with those who are captured by their lust and steeped in sin. Mm -hmm. They are always learning, but they never discover the revelation knowledge of the Truth. truth. History has given us an example of this with the Egyptian sorcerers, Jonas and Jambres, who stood against Moses in their ignorance. So it will be in the last of days with those who reject the faith with their corrupt minds and arrogant hearts, standing against the truth of God. But they will not advance, for everyone will see their madness just as they did with Jonas and John Brace. Isn't that a good passage of scripture? Uh, I I mentioned this last week. I'm going to say this again this week, and I'll say it again next week. Three things I want you to remember about the end times. First of all would be this, that the end times are bigger than America. The end times don't just function or happen around America. It it obviously is a worldwide thing. Pay attention to the Middle East. Second thing I said is the end times are actually God's times. It's not a time to be in fear. It's a time to be in faith. These are God's hours. Amen? Amen. And the last thing I said, the end times are not a mystery. And so I want to pick up, thank you very much. I want to pick up where I was at last weekend, and I I, I want to... Uh, Go to what Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew, thank you, and he referenced some signs of the end. Y'all ready to go? Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was leaving the temple courts. His disciples came to him and they pointed out all the beautiful architecture they were seeing at the temple and Jesus turned to them and said, take a good look at all of these things. I'm telling you, there'll not be one stone left on another. It will all be leveled. And then later on when they arrived at the Mount of Olives his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and they asked Jesus this tell us when these things will happen and look what it says what will be the sign that we should expect that would signal your coming and the completion of this age Jesus his disciples came to him and they said Jesus please give us and the Greek language says show us a detailed description of the sign that we know will be the end of the world you know what a sign does is a sign is a marker it shows you where you've been where to go how much further you have until you get there and this is what they were asking Jesus what's the marker what's the sign that will help us know and detect and what will confirm where we're at how much longer we have to go and, and, and what direction are we we going in and they said show us the sign of the end of the world and actually, a lot of people say that, but it's actually not worded that way in the Greek. The world won't end. It means age. What will be the end of that age? Right now, we have been in the age of grace and the age of the church. We are transitioning out of the age of grace and out of the age of the church. And when that happens, there is change. The Bible says there is, it's like labor pains. So it's not the ending of one world. It's the transitioning of one age one age to the next and they asked Jesus what would be the signs when we see that transition coming and I love Jesus he always goes above and beyond because over the next few verses he doesn't give the sign he gives several signs and if you go with me um, last weekend I titled the planet's plight and we actually looked at what some signs would be in the first few verses here of the end of the age, and we found five of them, I'm going to read those verses again, y'all ready? So verse four, Jesus answered, he's going to answer about the signs, he said at that time deception will run rapid, so beware that you are not fooled, there will be uh, many who appear on the scene and claim my authority or say about themselves, I'm the anointed one and they will lead many astray. The first sign we looked at last week that will happen on the planet is the sign of deception. Deception means there will be a fall of morals, And there'll be a defection from people who claim the faith. So deception was the first sign, verse 6. You're going to hear of wars uh, 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 and revolutions on every side. There'll be more rumors of wars. But don't panic. Don't give in to your fear. For the breaking apart of this world system is destined to happen. But it's not quite the end. It's still the unfolding. The second is dread or fear. Your ears will be buzzing with information about destruction and and negative things that will cause fear. Verse 7. Y'all still with me? Nations will go against nation and kingdoms will go against kingdoms. The third uh, sign is the sign of division. The word nation here literally means ethnicity or even religions, so there's going to be a division amongst races, amongst religions. The word kingdoms here means political groups, uh, meaning that ideologies will try to force their belief on other ideologies. The rest of verse seven says, and there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. That's the fourth sign, which is distress, which are natural, natural disasters. And lastly, devastation. It goes on to say that there will be famines and epidemics one after the other. Some will be resurrected. Some will be newly engineered. But I love verse 8. This is the birth pains of the new age. That's the beginning. That's where we were last week. Y'all remember that? It was a good weekend. Now let's pick up in verse number, verse number 9. And I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the next few signs. And I'm calling this part of the uh, series, The Church's Challenge. Those were signs that will happen on the planet. Now there are going to be specific signs that the church will have to deal with. So I'm trying to equip you with some truth. Verse 9, you can expect, everyone say expect. You can expect to be what? Persecuted. We don't like to talk about that, but you can expect to be persecuted. Some will even be killed. You will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. The next sign and the first sign that the church will have to deal with, the first challenge that the church will have to deal with is that we will be challenged and the church will face persecution. The church, because we stand for truth, we will face what the Bible calls persecution. At the beginning of the church age, when the church started in the book of Acts, there was tremendous persecution against the church, and we will see that as the age, or the church age, or the age of grace begins to transition, and we're seeing that. We've seen it overseas, now we're seeing it knocking on our own doors, and the real word that we used here in this verse, instead of persecution, was the word affliction, or those who are... Of the faith or those who are believers they will face certain affliction the Bible says so I want to describe to you because the Bible says expect this affliction to come don't be shocked or don't be surprised when people don't like your beliefs and they don't like you because of your beliefs and they take a stand against you because of your beliefs the Bible says don't be uh, uh, unaware of that but you should almost see it coming there's there going to be affliction that come to you because you love Jesus now, I want to ask you a question before I explain that word affliction. How many of you would be willing to die for Jesus? I'm waiting for the answer, yes. How many of you would be willing to lay your life down for the one who laid his life down for you? You'd be, I know most of you would be willing to die for your beliefs. But how many of us would be willing to really live for our beliefs? Live in the face of affliction. Live in the face of challenge. The church is going to be challenged with affliction. Here's what that word affliction means. Uh, Really, it means the word pressure. To be pressured. It means to uh, face stressful situations. It means, get this, it means to be bullied, harassed, and intimidated, particularly, particularly by family, friends, and even employers, Think about some things we've seen just in our own country. Is that not unfolding before us? Pressure, stressful situations, bullying, intimidation, just because we have a certain standard of beliefs coming from friends, coming from family, coming from the world around us, even those who employ us who want to fire us because of our faith. It's actually what this scripture means. And it goes on and says there'll be those kind of pressures. Some will even be martyred, the Bible says. So there's going to be affliction against the church. And we know this, that there are almost 250 million believers around the world being afflicted for their beliefs right now. Now there was a time I think it would have been hard to imagine that when we live in a country that was founded on freedom to have our Christian faith. But there are those who, we, we've even seen it in the news, uh, uh, if you remember the, the couple that owned the bakery that were um, taken to court because uh, they, they wouldn't um, bake a cake for a same-sex marriage, and they were bullied, and they were intimidated, and, and that's exactly what this verse is talking about. In Matthew chapter 5, goes on, and it says this, how blessed you are if people insult and afflict and persecute you you, and even if they speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because you love me. The Bible says if you're facing that kind of bullying and that kind of intimidation, what's the Bible say about you? You're blessed. It may not sound like you're blessed, but guess what the Bible says? It It calls you blessed if you're facing challenges because of your love for him. Look at what verse 12 says. It goes, so leap for joy. Instead of crying about it, the Bible actually says, leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets before you were rejected. One challenge that we as believers will face is, guess what? We're going to be afflicted for our faith. We're going to be challenged, intimidated, and bullied for our faith. So Last weekend, the first five signs I showed you that Jesus described how many know this is, this is one more that lines up with it? We see this happening. Look at the next verse. Then many will stop following me because of this affliction. Many will stop following me, and they will actually fall away, and they will betray one another, and they will even hate one another. Here's the second sign that the church will be challenged with. The church will be provoked to give up on the faith. They're going to be persecuted, the church. Believers will be uh, One challenge is that they will be afflicted with pressures intimidated and bullied, and we're going to be provoked to give up on our faith. Literally, in that verse in the original Greek, there are two words that stand out, and I want to describe those to you. The first word is offended, and the second word is betrayed. In the Greek language, those two words are within this sentence structure, and it said that there will be those who are offended. Now, here's what the word offended means in English. It means scandalous or scandal. And here's, here's, here's how, how this word, was what it means in this context, that the, we understand that, w- that we have absolute standards as believers. The world does not have those absolute standards, but Christians will be viewed, and we are viewed as being narrow-minded, bigots, whose beliefs have become offensive to society, and it's scandalous to society. They think we're closed-minded. They think that we're Bigots. That, we, that we're not open-minded to other things, and, and if we stand against something, we hate those people. It, it means that, we've, we're, that it's scandalous, and the world will be offended because we stand for truth. So the church will be provoked to give up on their faith. The word betrayed here in, in, in this verse means that believers will be entrapped, arrested, and pulled into the court system. And we see that happening more and more and more. All of those things are to provoke you and I to give up on the faith, to walk away from our faith. And the Bible says because of pressure, because of intimidation, because of being bullied, because of these things, there will be some who will walk away from the faith. There will be some who betray each other. There will be some who walk away from the faith they stood on because of the pressure, because of the intimidation. Because of the bullying that happens Luke chapter 21 verse 12 and verse 13 says this and because you follow me You will be on trial before kings Government leaders as an opportunity to testify to them in my name yet determine in your hearts Not to prepare for your own defense Simply speak the words of wisdom. I will give you at that moment and none of your Persecutors will be able to withstand the grace and the wisdom that comes from your mouth. What's that verse mean? Don't worry about what you need to say. Just speak up for truth. Speak in wisdom. There's something that happens when we stand up and we speak out. God always stands behind us. And here's the thing. The world doesn't make a lot of sense right now. There is a foolish spirit on the world. But one, one man or woman who believe in, in their faith, and they stand up for righteousness, and they stand up for what's right, God stands with them, and God stands behind them. And something always happens is we've seen it throughout Scripture. We've seen it throughout history. All of a sudden, the light comes on when we start to speak truth, and people start to see that we're not crazy. We just happen to know what the truth is. But these are signs that Jesus said, this is how you're going to tell that you're moving from the age of grace out of the age of uh, out of the church age. The church will be challenged with persecution and affliction, and the church is going to be provoked. Have you ever felt provoked with your beliefs lately? Just felt provoked to give up on things, to get into fear, to walk away from the faith, to give up on each other. It's a spirit that's out there. It's a spirit of deception. It's a spirit of fear working on this planet right now. I want you to know something, and I want you to hear this, because I'll explain more about this next week. On the planet right now, how many believe and can tell things are just crazy, things are bad? Do you know why things aren't worse right now? It's because the church, or the ecclesia, is still on the planet. We are the only thing holding back the wrath of God. We are the element of grace. We are the expression of goodness. We are the house of truth. We are the house of healing. We are the only thing withholding... The wrath of God right now. And when the church is gone, wrath will overtake the earth. I'll talk about that next week. So don't miss next week. Go with me. Aren't these good? Verse, verse 12. I know those aren't real exciting, persecution and being provoked. That's why I asked you, I know you'll die for Jesus, but will you stand for him? Will you live for him? Here's, here's the next one in verse number 12. There will come such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts Actually, did I skip too far? I'm on verse 11. My bad. Verse 11. Did I get ahead of myself? You don't know. Verse 11. (laughs) So after being provoked, look what verse 11 says. And many lying prophets will arise, and they will deceive, look what it says. They will deceive many lying prophets that will deceive many multitudes, and they will lead them away from the path of truth. There are going to be voices In these end times, that will lead many away from the truth. Did y'all get it? Many, Many voices. So the next sign is the church will have to discern phonies. We have to discern phonies. I was on the phone with uh, a friend of mine who has a church just the other day, and he was just talking about some challenges he had, and, and I told him, I said, something we have to do as pastors right now is we, we have to be, and believers, not just pastors, we have to be full of a spirit of discernment right now. And it's one of the gifts of the spirit that God gives us to live and operate. We, we have to be able to discern the times and discern the seasons that we are that we're in. And the Bible is very clear. It says there will be many bogus, is the word used in the Greek, many bogus teachers and bogus teachings that are going to increase in the last hour. And they'll, they'll claim that God's their source. They'll use portions of scripture, but God isn't really the source of their teaching. He isn't really the source of their doctrines. And so when I was talking to my my friend on the phone, I said, we've got to discern truth. And we've got to become those churches that are standing on the truth. We've got to be those churches that are helping people navigate with wisdom. We've got to see the darkness. We've got to stand in the light. We've got to be those churches that are helping people do that right now because many doctrines have an issue of truth, but they're not rooted in the Word of God. And I want to challenge you with this. We have to be rooted... In truth that's why I, I i told my friend on the phone i have told my wife this i will get up every sunday and i will preach truth whether it's popular whether it's censored or not because it's the truth that sets us free we're not going to back off of the word of god the bible says the word of god endures the word of god works you can build your life on it not just in good times but you build your life on it in bad times and rough times and the word of god works it's been proven how many agree with that? It's been proven. It, it, it already tells us about what we're walking through r- right now. And I want you to get this. How do you really discern truth? How do you discern what's truth? And I, I, this will help you. You have to understand that all of the, How many believe God's a good God? God is a good God. And God is for you. God is a good God even though we're in a fallen world. Now, now here's what I want you to get. Everything that God provides for you is a gift of absolute grace. Grace is the favor of God. It's unmerited, it's unearned, it's undeserved. It's God manifesting his goodness to people who don't deserve it and cannot repay him for it. Everything that God has, he wants to give you. Every promise in the Bible is yes, and it is amen. So it's grace. But it can only be received by what? Faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the victory that's in the word of God. How do you know the difference between something that's deceptive versus something that is truth? You know that it is from God, it is full of grace, but you can only receive it by faith. And here's what I mean by that. Um, If it's the truth in the word of God, you need to put your faith to it, put your faith on it, and keep your faith stuck to it. This is why we know things like healing Is a grace gift from God. It's embraced and received by what? Faith. But here's why I know it's one of those things we need to stick on. Because the Bible said we will start to drift from truth, start to sway from truth if we don't keep hearing about them and hearing about them and hearing about them. How do we know it takes faith to believe for healing? Let me ask you a question Does it take any faith to believe in being sick? It takes faith right now in the middle of a pandemic to trust. The healing power of God. Just like you can trust a vaccine or you can trust those things, put as much trust in the healing hand of God. How, how many know this? That prosperity, how, how many know this? It takes no faith to believe in being broke. It doesn't take any faith for those sort of things, but it takes faith for things like healing, prosperity, deliverance, freedom. That's how you know those are truths that we, it's, so there's a, a, a lot of churches that are falling into just dealing with social issues, and I believe the gospel deals with social issues, but how many know we've got some deeper truths than just social issues? The gospel always affects social issues, yes, but, we have a, but that's not what we're about, just social issues. We're about the full power of the gospel. Are you hearing me? But we've got to discern the phonies in these last days. Now, I really want to, I really want to hit these last two. And how many see these things, that, these signs? We're seeing them happen right now. Look at verse 12. There will be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness. Lawlessness would be this, to be without the law. It's an attitude of being without the law of God. It means the law of God is being canceled. We live in a cancel culture. And the Bible says this, there's going to be such an increase of this that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will actually grow cold. So the Bible actually says this, that iniquity and lawlessness will start to abound to the degree that most translations say this, that the love of many will wax cold. The love of many will wax cold, why? Because of iniquity, or sinfulness, or canceling the law of God, or living with a lawless attitude. And what the Bible says is that that lawless attitude will escalate, it will increase. And so here's here's the sign that the church will also be facing. We'll have to fight against great perversion of the truth. We've got to discern phonies, we're going to face persecution, and we've got to fight against this great perversion of truth. The word of God is true. It is tested and it is true. But there's voices, even in the church world, of canceling the absolute authentic law of God and allowing sin and making excuses for sin. And so there are many aspects of the church world that is embracing that and allowing us to depart from godly principles. Now, a biblical principle and biblical truth is a pattern, an accurate pattern for us to live our lives on and to walk. And, and Thessalonians says this, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Before the day comes, there's going to be a rebellion and an outlaw that will be revealed in his truest light. So we see that happening around us. But now... There's something very interesting in that verse. Like I said, most translations, you've heard it this way. The love of many, because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will what? Wax cold. The word love in this verse, though, is the word agape, which we know is the word for the love of God. So this, if if the word agape is used here, it's actually talking to the church. Because the word agape, the love amongst brothers, The love of God is used here. It's not the other regular words for love. It's the word agape. And it says this because we're allowing lawlessness amongst us. Our agape love is waxing cold. Waxing cold is an odd expression, but it means a cool breeze. Literally what it means is there's there's a freezing breeze that's blowing in to numb us. To numb us, to get us to loosen our grip on the proven truths of the Word of God. It's in our environment, it's in our atmosphere, and it's even becoming the atmosphere of some churches. And this cold breeze of lawlessness, of increased iniquity, is causing us in the church to become wax cold or numb. So we can look at some of these signs and be very outward focused and we've got to watch from where persecution has come. We've got to discern the phonies. We've got to make sure we're not provoked to give up on our truth but now we need to take an inward look and the Bible says we cannot let our love and our passion for Jesus in any way begin to wax cold. We cannot be numbed down from the beliefs of Scripture. We cannot let the environment of sin in our culture become the environment in the house of God. Because we have the goodness of God, even the grace of God, we can't allow those things to be misrepresented and allow ourselves to live in the same way that the world lives around us. And the Bible says this, that we we will wax cold, and we will become numb with our passion for Jesus. I wrote this down because I think this is true. Moral confusion leads to immoral behavior. Now, I've said this from the beginning of this message, from the interview, all through this morning, that the Bible said those who know the truth, everyone say no. It means to experience. Not to get crude on you, but it's actually the word, the word no, is the word for sexual intimacy. What it's saying is, those who intimately know the truth, they will be set what? Free. But we have not just a world, but we have in some of God's houses confusion. God is not the writer or the author of that confusion. This is why you hear me time after time after time say, "We need to be chasers of revelation. That's why we're doing this series. We need to know the truth about what's going on. We need to be, know the truth about what we believe. Yeah. But the Bible says the lawlessness, the attitude about the truths of God, the attitude about God's standards can cause us to grow numb and lose our passion. And that reminds me of a particular section of Scripture in the book of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 where God said that, he had all of these compliments for the church in Ephesus about how strong they were. But he said he had this against them, that they have abandoned their passion. One translation said they lost their first love, but the word "loss" is not a good word. They've left. They've abandoned their original passion for God. And it tells us why. Because they got stubborn, they got full of idolatry, they got full of compromise. And they ended up in spiritual adultery. And God said, I've got this against you. You've lost your passion. It actually is this phrase, you have lost your honeymoon love. You know how you go to a a wedding ceremony and you see the, you know, the the, bro- the groom and the bride and they've got all this honeymoon love and you're like, that's kind of gross. But they have this passion and this love and they're, the, they're in the greatest love. No one has ever been in love like them and they're infatuated with each other. The Bible says we can lose that love that we have for Jesus. And when we start to lose that, lose that passion for him and that passion for the truth, what happens? Our life begins to become numb. And I want to give you this challenge. I love what Rick Renner said. He said, don't be so open-minded that your spiritual brains fall out. I love that. But what did I say to begin with? They're going to think that the church is closed-minded and that the church is full of a bunch of bigots because they're closed-minded about their beliefs. And I want you to know we can be against the sin in the world, but we are not against the sinner. The world doesn't understand that, but I want to call us as a church, as life point Call us back to a place where we stand on the accuracy of the Bible, the accuracy of moral behavior. Listen, we're going to miss it from time to time because we're a human, but we've got to stand for truth right now. We've got to stand for righteousness right now. (laughs) Verse 13 says, but hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and you will experience deliverance. If you'll stand on the word, you'll be delivered. If you hold on to the truths of the gospel, you'll be what? Delivered. You'll be set free. You will win. You'll be victorious. This This is a military phrase, and it means this. Stay in your position. Maintain your ground. Don't give up. Don't surrender, even under siege. Don't modify to the culture around you. Don't move off the word, and the word of God will preserve you. I was on the phone with my, my, my friend this week, and I've told my wife this. I've, I've told our staff this. I've mentioned this in here, and I want to say this again because I want you to hear it from this pulpit, and what I say next week, you've got to hear because of what I'm sort of going to say to you right now. Throughout the, throughout the Word of God, we see from God's people, and we see in the book of Revelation this repeated, that there will be a remnant. Everyone say remnant. You say, what does remnant mean? It means there's going to be an original substance that's remaining. And I believe this the fire that's going on right now, the challenge that's happening right now, the challenge the church is facing right now. Believers in churches that hold faithfully to the truth of God in a sinking culture will be his remnant. The remnant will be those who house his power, they will house his prophecy, they will house, house his gifts, they will house his anointing, they will house his deliverance, and they will house his freedom. And the book of Revelation says that remnant. Will be blessed and they will be delivered and it's my goal, it's our team's goal, it's this house's goal that will be a remnant. Now, several months ago, I got a phone call from, from a, a friend of mine who's in ministry. Um, th- this is a guy who travels all over the world. He, he uh, interacts with different large ministries, etc. cetera. He's been here before. He's going to be here with us in November and he called me on the phone and he said, hey man, how's it going? He goes, I was just supposed to call you and tell you, God told me to tell you that your church is a remnant church. And he went on and he said, you keep preaching, you keep standing on these truths, he said, because God will use a remnant church. And I'm going to tell you how important that is next week. But I just wanted to fire you up about that. But we have to, we have to be able, we have to be able to fight against the perversion of the truth. Now, once again, the disciples asked Jesus, give us the sign in detail. And Jesus said, I'll do you better than that, because Jesus always overflows. He gives us several in these verses. But he gets to the last one, which we believe is the ultimate sign, verse 14. It says, yet through all of it, the good news of of the heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. It will provide every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God, and after that, the end of this age will arise, will arrive. The last sign is the church will preach the gospel at any cost. Jesus went through all of these signs, signs that affect the planet and signs that we're looking at today that will challenge the church. We'll be challenged with some affliction. We'll be challenged to, we'll be provoked to give up on the faith. We'll be challenged, we've got to discern the phonies. We're challenged, we've got to be able to stand and fight against the perversion of the truth and we've got at any cost make sure that we're declaring the truth, preaching the truth, reaching people with the truth. In putting the truth into people, inspiring people with what Jesus said at any cost. And the Bible said that's the ultimate sign. Now, I want you to hear this. The ultimate sign that shows us that we're at the end of the age is when everyone who has the availability to accept Jesus does. Now, what does that mean? When the early church was inspired to take the gospel, They could only go as far as their feet would take them, a carriage would take them, a horse would take them, etc. And they were in dangerous times, in dangerous places, dangerous travel. But I want you to think about the world that we live in um, right now. Because what the scripture literally means is the gospel will be taken. Now, it means the civilized world, the world that's inhabited, the technically advanced part of the world. It means that the gospel will go Where there is habitation and civilization. Now, think about today. There was a time we sent missionaries, they traversed through terrible conditions to bring the gospel to people. But you know how easy it is today? There's radio, there's TV, there's internet. They say there's something like there's 8 billion people on the earth, and 5 billion people have one of these. I've been to some places, uh, you know, outside the borders of America in some third world areas. They don't have a a lot, but you would see the weirdest things on the street corners, cell phones. It was just just a weird thing to see, but they had cell phones. So we could say it this way, that we could go anywhere in the world without going anywhere right now. And so the ultimate sign is that the gospel will reach people. And I believe that Jesus isn't coming back until he knows that last person who is going to receive him will receive him. Now, I want you to listen to this crazy statistic. Right now in the world, there are only 7,000 unreached people groups, only 7,000 in the entire world. Do you know how quick, because of technology, those groups of people can be reached? Literally in a very, very rapid, short, quick amount of time. Out of all these signs, and we're seeing all these signs happen, so what in the world is going on? I'll tell you what in the world is going on. The the plight of the planet is being revealed and the church is being challenged. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, Here's what this means, contrary to the perspective of man, God is not late with his promise to come back as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply means or simply reveals how much loving patience he has toward us because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to have the opportunity to come to repentance. So people say, well, we've heard he's coming back for." He's just delaying. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves people. He wants the truth of the gospel to come to the very last one. He knows will respond to it. That's the ultimate sign that less than 7,000 people are the only ones who have not been saturated with the truth. Do you know how quickly 7,000 people could log on to the internet and be exposed to truth? Do you know how, I, I remember several years ago being in Guatemala, and we were ministering out of this area called the Patin, the jungle. and. Our missionary was this really cool guy, just this normal guy from Ohio, a little short guy who's developed this amazing ministry, and he was reaching people all over the area of Guatemala, and he was all excited about this one event, and it was his radio show. He kept saying, you guys got to be on the radio show, Diane, got to be on the radio show. I'm like, all right, just to hear him quiet down, we'll go on his radio show. And this was the most meekest, mildest, kind of short little laughing guy and we sit down around, about three of us, around the, the radio microphone. And he's like, I want you to teach tonight. And right before we start, he goes, I just want you to know, it's called Radio Shekinah Glory. And it goes all over Central America. He just tells me this right before. I'm thinking, I'm talking like 12 people out in a hut somewhere. It's gone all over Central America. And right before he starts, he goes from mild-mannered guy, and he's like, good evening around, kind of and he, he turns into this radio Casey Kasem dude, Ryan Seacrest, back in the day, Wolfman Jack, y'all remember? He just turned into that guy, and here's why, because his voice of the gospel was going all across the chunkle, and we got to teach. I don't know who listened. I don't know what all happened. I will know one day, maybe in heaven. But listen, the point of that is the same heart, ambition, intensity, and passion that Tim had for people in the jungle just to hear Jesus. As a church, we we, got to have that same heart in our country, in our neighborhood. And I put it down this way that we need to get the truth to others no matter what that cost might be. So so I want to tell you about next week and then I, I want to end this message the right way this morning. Next week, I'm calling it the, wa- the world's wages. And there is something, there is one thing that we're on the doorstep prophetically. What's the next prophetic thing to happen according to the Bible? What is it? I'm going to tell you next week. How many want to know when Jesus is coming? <laughs> Don't miss next week, that's all I'm going to say. Um, but I want you to stand to your feet. Because after you preach this message, after I talk to you about what I talked to today, one thing that I hate to hear, this is just a personal issue of mine. I hate to hear, although there is some truth to it, I hate to hear when people badmouth the church. Well, if the church would be this, if the church would do that, if the church would do that. Well, here's what I believe. I believe over this last crazy year, a pandemic in governmental control tried to keep us from gathering as a body as the bride of Jesus as the powerhouse of God and it woke us up I think I said this last week there's a woke movement but someone has forgotten they haven't noticed there's an awakening movement going on at the same time in the church now this. listen to me I, I, I appreciate your claps Right, vote for me whatever but here's what I want you to get we are in the hour that you have individually I've got to make a line, cross over it and say, me, and my family, we know what we believe. We're standing with the gospel. We're standing on the truth of God. We are standing to what God is doing prophetically in this hour. And I want you to know, no matter what chaos is going on, you, the Bible says, "Leap for joy when you see it." Look up because Jesus is coming. But we don't have we don't need to have this escape theology like Jesus get out of, get us out of here. We need to have this this theology that says the the power of God still works, the truth still works, and God's just look. Here's who God stands with: those who will stand up and speak out I firmly believe it I firmly believe it okay can I tell you one more story I know I'm going a little bit longer this morning I remember back in high school it was a big thing to get bullied and I know that that's really been exposed as it should be but I remember in school these guys there was these rumors they would take people kind of beat them up a little bit and put them in the garbage cans outside the school and every day this group would say you're next Morgan you're next Morgan you're next and they were, they were bigger guys. And I just remember one day, um, I, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not pushing for violence, but this is how I responded one day. They came to get me. I closed my eyes, and I punched them right in the chest. And they left me alone. I never was put in the garbage can. And I want you to hear this, church. You need to stand up, close your eyes if you have to, and punch back. Instead of being pushed around, you need to punch back right now. Because when you stand, every bit of heaven stands with you. They may not stand with you till you stand, but they will stand with you. It's icky dark out there, but the light has never been put out by the icky darkness. Someone get something good out of that? You need to reach down in here this morning and figure out that you believe that Jesus came and he is who he says he is. He did what he says he did. You can have what he says you can have. You can be who he says you can be. You need to reach down here and believe that Jesus came, died, resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God, and he is ready to return. He is ready to return. Look at someone next to you. Look at them and said. What do you believe?